0: What's up, and Welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to uh, hear your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you in your walk toward eternity and your walk toward becoming the particular saint that God our Father desires for you to be. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with questions dealing with anything and everything from relationship advice to spirituality, catechesis, scripture, whatever, and I'll spend time with those questions and try to respond in such a way that is helpful for you. The reality is this, though. I am not perfect, I am so imperfect, it's not even funny, and so there might be times where I give you advice that is not good for you. If that is the case, if my advice does not help you to grow in virtue and become a saint, then please reject whatever it is that I say that is not good for you. However, if the advice is helpful for you, though difficult, I really want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ so that he can give you the grace to fulfill the demands of discipleship and become the saint that he wants you to be. If you're a first-time listener, I want to encourage you and invite you to hit me up with your own questions, critiques, and comments from today's show and for future shows at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. Today is going to be a special show because today we have a, an awesome guest with us. His name is Dr. Edward Sree. He's the author of, of many books and new programs with Ascension Press. Uh, Dr. Sree, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks
0: so much for having me. So Dr. Sri, uh, we're going to get into a bunch of different questions today that my listeners have sent to me that I'm going to pass on to you. But before we get into those questions, which involve the crucifixion of Christ and the passion and his death, um, I want to start this show off like I do most of my shows, which is with a glory story. So every every podcast, I share something awesome that happened in the past week uh, with the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to see, do you have any particular glory stories that you can share with me and our listeners that's happened to you? And your walk with Jesus this past week?
1: Wow. Well, I would just say I don't know how glorious it is. It's been glorious for me, uh, and it's been you know it has been a race getting this project out. So since like August until about the beginning of February, it's just been nonstop in my life, and I've been I've been really looking forward to Lent. And and normally, I'll be honest, I'm human. I know Lent's important, and I know it's good for me. But there's always that other part of me going, oh, but I'm going to have to give up all these things, you know. (laughs) But this this Lent is different, though. I really I've been longing for a period of retreat. I purposely didn't plan a lot of travel uh, at the start of Lent here. So I've had like several weeks in a row just being present here with my family, present to Jesus and just getting into the season. And I'm so, so thankful. And and to kind of add on to this, God gave me a special gift. I think, you know, uh, it's been, it's it was a blizzard that came through Denver this week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> And, and I, I know you're down there in Louisiana, beautiful, warm, humid weather, which you could... Uh, you know, it was great, but what what happened was my kids got a couple days off of school. In fact, they got two days off of the blizzard, and then one of my schools where I have my my elementary kids, they had a uh, trees fall down, so they got off today as well. And what that's done is, it just kind of created like an extra mini spring break. So we've been you know just a little extra time with the family, and uh, we've been you know watching movies together, hanging out, and, and so that that's been it's just been an extra grace that I am so thankful for after a really busy season of getting the No Greater Love Project out the door uh, to kind of enter in spiritually and also just kind of really enter in as a family. You know, we pray the rosary at night before we go to bed. And it's just been, you know, it's just been great. So I'm so thankful.
0: Dude, that's awesome. It's so, so crazy how simple, like just being intentional with our family, how good that is for our souls. I, I was able to, to spend time with my mom this past week uh, to go watch a movie. We saw Captain Marvel. I don't know if you're into comic movies or not. <laughs> Uh, but I'm a, uh, No, no,
1: no. All, I've got teenage kids. So we, that was part of our, uh, that was also something we did last weekend. We did the Captain Marvel thing. So. <laughs> what, what
0: did you think about it?
1: You know, I, I have to say, you know, I heard all these stories about people worried it was going to be like overly feminist and, yeah. you know, girl power kind of thing. And, you know, it has elements of that, but I, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised that it didn't go that way. You know, I was also very grateful. Some of these Marvel movies, they sometimes bring in a little more sexuality than you know, like with Iron uh, Man, then then you really need, uh, yeah, and then disappointing, you know, it is. And so I read the previews, and I just saw, man, there was nothing along those lines. You know, and I and that was like, you know, thank, thank you, thank you. So, so yeah, it was it was fun.
0: <laughs> My favorite Marvel movie right now is Black Panther, and then after that, the Avengers, and after the Avengers, like the Captain America uh, movies. Uh, but Captain Marvel, to me, it was a good movie. Um, it wasn't great. I, th- I thought that it, it could have been better, but it was good and I would watch it again. Um, so, but I'm not a movie critic, so it doesn't really matter what I think <laughs> about movies. Uh, but thank you for sharing your glorious story, Dr. Sree. Uh, so what happens next is we get into some follow-up from previous episodes. And so uh, some follow-up that we have from one of our listeners, her name is Sarah. Uh, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah is your first name. So Sarah writes this, she says, Father Josh, thanks for your ministry, uh, you're awesome and God is working in you. I don't recall which podcast you tell the story of how God wanted to just play basketball with you, uh, but the other day I felt a similar call that God just wanted to go on a drive with me. So I listened and it was an amazing conversation time spent with God. So thank you for sharing this glorious story about how God meets us where we are at and indulges in what we Like in life. Yeah, praise God, Sarah. God loves you so much, Sarah, and He wants to spend so much time with you, both in Mass and worship, in the Adoration Chapel, uh, but also whenever you're just doing the most mundane tasks. He delights in you so much. And so I'm so grateful that you took him up on his invitation to just go on a, a car ride with him because I'm sure it meant so much to him that you uh, were intentional with, with speaking to him while you were driving. So praise God for that. And if you haven't done that uh, yourself, if you haven't spent time with God and like in, in intentionally engaged in conversation with God uh, while doing mundane tasks, I would really encourage you to do that this week. It's, it's super helpful for your relationship with Jesus. But my next follow-up comes from, from me, and it's for you, Dr. Edward three. Um, my first book that I read that, that you came out with many years ago was a biblical walk through the mass. That book, my brother, has been such a gift <laughs> for me and for my parishioners. The first time I used it was when I was campus minister five years ago at Christ the King on LSU's campus. Yep. And so whenever myself and and some of the campus ministers got together, we decided that we were going to do the model of Jesus, and we were going to really be intentional with forming small groups, right? He focused on the 12. Within the 12, he had the three, and so that's what we did at Christ the King on LSU's campus. We started all these small group Bible studies, and all of a sudden, all these frat dudes and sorority girls and all these other students on campus started coming back to the sacraments, and when they came back to the sacraments, they were like, man, but we still don't understand the mass. Like, they really enjoy fellowship they enjoyed the word of God but they struggled some with the mask because for many of them um, they were engaged in other Christian communities while they were on LSU's campus and so they had been away from the sacramental life of worship for a while and so we got your book and this study on your book a biblical walk through the mass and when I tell you that that book right there actually led to vocation, like, like everybody's called the vocation of being a saint, but it led to the state of life vocation of holy orders because so many of the guys began to mm-hmm. intentionally prioritize the sacrifice of the mass in their week. And because they intentionally prioritized worship, you, you know what happens from there, right? Uh, they fell in love with the Lord, and they were able to hear him call them to become saints as priests. And so super grateful. Um, what inspired you to write that book many years ago? Because it's bearing so much fruit for the kingdom.
1: Oh, I'm so, so thankful to hear. And I remember, Father, you sharing some of those stories with me at a focus conference. I think it was either Nashville or maybe in Dallas. I I remember like like right there. I totally remember you telling me all about all these Bible studies. And uh, I I didn't I don't think I knew about the vocations. because That that probably was just the the seeds were just being sown back then. So, yeah, so thankful to hear that. And, um, you know, what inspired me was I was in graduate school and I was I was studying under I don't know if there's this one professor, I don't know if you've heard of his name, Scott Hahn. I don't know if you've heard of Scott Hahn at all.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I might Scott have read a great. book or
1: two by him. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, you know, he, he, for my own young adult life, made the Catholic faith come alive, you know, in terms of its biblical foundations. Uh, when I was at a big state school, Indiana University, I had a lot of Protestant friends, the similar kind of story, you know, that they were involved in Campus Crusade and InterVarsity and different things. And, and they would always ask questions about the Bible and the biblical underpinnings. Why do you Catholics believe in Mary and purgatory and the mass, you know, came up. And so when I when I went off to do graduate studies, I knew I wanted to study under Dr. Hahn. and He just opened up like left and right. Every little thing about the Catholic faith has roots in scripture. That's wonderful. And, uh, and so I remember it was like in my last semester. There was a I just started like doing research projects more on the mass and I like teaching on, I started teaching right when I came out uh, on, I gave, I remember teaching missionaries about the mass and his biblical roots. And I just saw how it was making a difference for people. People were getting excited. And and so over the years, I was always teaching about the mass and I started developing this talk, a biblical walk through the mass. And and then uh, Matt Pinto and I at Ascension Press, we were talking about, well, one day we want let's do a study on it. And we were already planning on it. I think we might have already had a contract and everything was ready to go. And Then all of a sudden, the bishops announced that they're officially going to do the new translation. (laughs) So then we said, let's get it out quickly in time for that. Isn't that how it happens? But it was something that's always on my heart because here's the thing. You know, so many Catholics were so familiar with the Mass that I I sometimes wonder we're almost too familiar, right? We just kind of sometimes show up and we just go through the motions. We know when to stand and sit and make the sign of the cross. We know when to say thanks be to God and uh, the, the glory and the holy, holy, holy. But what does it all really mean? And that's, I think, really what I wanted to unpack for the ordinary Catholic is the rich biblical roots of all these prayers and rituals. They didn't come out of you know, nowhere. It wasn't just made up in the Vatican a long time ago. All of these prayers come out of Scripture. And if we can understand their original meaning in Scripture, in the Bible, it'll just give us a chance to really give the best of ourselves. And many 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 Catholics say things like, oh, I, I don't get that much out of Mass. But you, you get a lot out of Mass when you give a lot in mass, but you can't give if you don't really understand what you're doing. So, that's my hope is that people can really encounter our Lord more profoundly in this this supreme moment of the sacrifice of
0: the mass. Well, praise God because it's bearing a lot of supernatural fruit. Uh, and there's one more work before we continue project that I just wanted to mention. And it was a gift to me to read because my my favorite work from Saint John Paul the Great, or Kara Vatile, um, was Love and Responsibility. And and you did your work, men, women in the mystery of love. A lot of my students who were dating did that as a as a, a book study together. And again, it was one of those books that they began to grow in holiness just from your work. So I don't know what it is about you, my brother, but you have a gift, you have an anointing, a specific charism that is helping a lot of people in the body of Christ today with your works.
1: Oh, I love writing and I love being able to share what what I'm learning, you know, from Jesus and their way to Uh, and and many great saints have gone before us, so happy to do these
0: things. (laughs) Well, you have a new project that you just came out with, and my parishioners at Holy Rosary are currently using your project for uh, Lent as one of our Lenten studies. It's called No Greater Love. Do you you mind telling us what inspired you to put this project together?
1: Yeah, this is the climax of the story, isn't it? The, The passion of Jesus. And we hear about this story in the gospel readings every Holy Week. But it's, again, another one of those things that, you know, we might just be familiar with the idea of Judas betrayed Jesus and there was a scourging and he had to carry a cross, but this is, this is the fullest revelation of God's love. That's what John Paul II said. The, the passion narratives reveal to us the fullness of God's love. There's no other place that you can go in the Bible to, to experience, to encounter God's love more. Uh, and again, for many years I've been teaching about the passion narratives and I I could just tell how it was just really opening up for the students. Just, wow, I I didn't realize that. And there's so much in these stories that I, I wanted to just make accessible to the ordinary reader. And so, uh, there's a book that goes along with it, but as you mentioned, the book is based on the, uh, this video series that we did and we were blessed with the Ascension press team to be able to go to Jerusalem and we filmed right there. Uh, in Jerusalem at the various sites where Christ's passion unfolded. And so it's amazing. I I take pilgrims there regularly and and people are always just so moved when you go to, you're standing right there on on the Mount of Olives. You're going, Jesus came here, Holy Thursday night. And you go to the Garden of Gethsemane, you go to these olive trees that are over a thousand years old and the root systems go all the way back to the time of Jesus. So when you touch these olive trees, you're coming in contact with something from the life of Christ and, It's amazing and and it's so moving and people realize, wow, my faith is real. You know, Jesus isn't just a picture in my living room or a a doctrine in my head. Mm. You know, he came right here on Holy Thursday night and he sweat drops of blood. He prayed in his agony and he did it all for me. And that's what I wanted to kind of try to open up for people is that experience of uh, getting the chance to see. The, the places where these events unfolded. So it's like, I call it like a biblical pilgrimage.
0: It, it totally changes the way we pray, right? Whenever you are able to visualize the location, and then you go back to the Word of God for your time in Alexia Divina. Now, once you've seen it, it changes everything.
1: Yeah, that's why they call the Holy Land the fifth gospel, you know, because you'll never hear the gospel stories the same yes. when you start having these images in your mind. So that's what we want to do is to really kind of give people that experience, but really to enter into the Lenten series and especially you know, to to ponder Christ's passion. Because that's what we're supposed to do in Lent. We're supposed to allow, I mean, we should do it all year round, but it's a special time that we have concentrated effort to imitate Christ, or maybe even better, to allow Christ's life in his passion, his love in his passion, to radiate through me so that I can be more patient when things frustrate me or when I endure suffering in my life or to be more generous like Jesus was or more forgiving with my spouse or with a friend or with my children, uh like Jesus was with the apostles who failed him that day. Yeah. Like every step of the way, you just witness Jesus's amazing love. But Jesus doesn't want us to just applaud and go, oh great job Jesus. That was amazing. No. He wants our hearts. He wants that amazing love that he revealed on Calvary to be reproduced in us, so that we can live in our marriages and in our dating relationships and in our friendships and and, and with the poor, he wants us to to live that 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 amazing love that he revealed on Calvary in our daily lives.
0: Yeah, I've always told people that the cross is the school of love. Like if you want to be a good lover, just spend time gazing at the cross, and he would teach us everything we need to know about authentic love from there. Now, speaking of the cross, our first question comes from Audrey. Audrey says this, why have you forsaken me? So I'm, I'm diving more into the Bible than I ever have, and it's been beautiful. I've always felt, though, that the more I dive into my prayer and study life, the more I question, and it's an almost unbelief of, nah, this can't be real, Audrey. It's uncomfortable. It's unsettling. With this, I'm getting unsettled about Jesus. I know Jesus is God, but part of me is confused now. Jesus is God in the flesh. But then we say Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. Jesus prayed in the garden. He cried out, Abba, Father, why have you forsaken me? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Okay, you get my drift? If God is Jesus and Jesus is God, why is he talking to himself? It makes sense that God wanted to show us who he truly is by coming down from heaven, but then the more I read, the more it doesn't add up for me because of the parts of the Bible I mentioned. Should I be this confused and questioning? I feel like I shouldn't be questioning and I feel guilty. And part of me wants to almost stop reading and studying. But I, I know that that's not good either. Oh, I must sound like a hot mess. <laughs> I feel like sometimes I get into that, other times as well. I don't. I hope this makes sense. In short, how do you explain that God and Jesus are the same? Thank you so much for all that you do. And please know that you're always in my prayers, Audrey. So Dr. Sri, how do we do this? Is Jesus, God, God,
1: Jesus, what's up? First, can I just say thank you to Audrey for just an honest question? I, I love this. And and she's wrestling with, with questions that Christians throughout their ages have, have wrestled with. And that's a really good thing. So Audrey, don't don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty that you're you're asking questions and questions that maybe push you and you're wondering, how can this be? You know, as long as you just you know always have faith and just trust that God is bigger than my little head, uh, and there's many holy, wise people who've gone before me, like Saint Augustine, Saint Thomas Aquinas, Saint Catherine of Siena, Saint John Paul II, who are much wiser than I am. And 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 when I this is what I do when I get questions, I go, "Why does the Church teach that? I don't get that." Uh, you know, that I always remind myself that you know, no, there's these other very holy people gone before me. Amen. <laughs> and I just need to I need to learn, and God will guide me. So just ask God. Anytime you got those questions, Audrey, just, just go to Jesus and say, Jesus, yeah, you know, like, like the man in the Bible, Lord, I believe help my unbelief and God loves it when we're honest. The last thing he wants you to do, you know, he certainly doesn't want you to, to doubt, reject it, but he also doesn't want you to put your head, you know, in a, in a paper bag and not think anymore, <laughs> you know, uh, the faith is reasonable and, and it it, it, go, it goes beyond what we can see many times at first. But, but, but it doesn't mean that you just have to go, oh, well, it doesn't make sense, but I have to believe. No, that's not a Catholic view of faith. Uh, faith uh, is, is based on reason, and it is reasonable. It goes beyond what we can see, and we should trust it. But, but God wants you to play your mind. So just, just thank you, Audrey, for that. But in terms of the question itself, you know, uh, we say that, you know, there was a line, I think she said something about God is Jesus and Jesus is God. I might phrase it a little bit differently. Jesus is God. That's true. But it, within the Godhead, there are three persons. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now that may take you down a whole separate road, and we could talk about the Trinity and Audrey. We could follow up another time if you want, or ask Father Joshua that for next week's question. But, but, but at least you know what we would say: it's, it's the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, is the one who became man uh, and and became took on our humanity in Jesus. So Jesus is the Holy Son of God. Jesus is God. Yes. But I think that example you gave about Gethsemane, what he prays in the garden, is a great example. It's one I love to talk about because it shows both the humanity and the divinity of Christ and how they work together. So let me give one example here. And she didn't quite mention it, but I, I think she was alluding to it when Jesus says in the garden of Gethsemane, he says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. And and we could look at that thinking, well, what's going on here? Is Jesus having second thoughts? You know, is he thinking of backing out at the last minute? Is he, you know, saying, Father, there's got to be an easier way. You know, what he's doing there is Jesus is expressing his humanity. He's expressing how he's truly human. In other words, Father Josh, you and I, like uh, if, if we knew we were about to be scourged and betrayed and, uh, uh, crucified. We're not going to go. Oh, cool! I can't <laughs> wait. This is a great way to spend the weekend. You know, no, you know, that we wouldn't be human, right? Uh, uh, that kind of intense suffering is repugnant to human nature. So Jesus is simply acknowledging, you know, that that I, I don't look forward to this. And yet, in the same breath, he says, "But Father, not my will, may Your will be done." So he's showing that his human will is perfectly united with his divine will. Uh, so he's he's perfectly united with the Father. But in his humanity, he's acknowledging this is going to be tough. And the great theologian, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, he has a beautiful analogy that really gets to the heart of this matter. He says, Jesus is kind of, what he's doing is he's acknowledging that he's taking bad tasting medicine. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I love that analogy, you know, because none of us again would say, oh, what do you want to do this week? Let's watch the game and (laughs) take some bad tasting medicine. No, you know, you take the bad tasting medicine, you might choose to do it, but you're doing it because you know it's going to be good for you. You're not doing it for the bad taste. You're doing it because it's going to help you to experience healing. And that's what Jesus is doing. He takes takes the cross, not because he just wants suffering, but he knows it's going to bring healing to us. Um, And so I, I think that's just helpful to keep in mind about a little bit how Christ is fully human, but he's also fully divine. He's perfectly united to the Father, but there's moments where he's going to express in his humanity this is this is this is very painful. This is really hard, whether it's in the garden or the line she quotes, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And maybe it, can I comment on that line too, Father Josh? I, I don't yeah, know if that yeah, might please, be helpful. Please,
0: that'd be awesome. Because
1: yeah. you know, many people wonder, like, is Jesus abandoned by the Father on Good Friday? Is he is he being totally rejected? And a line like that could cause someone like Audrey or quite frankly, I had that same question growing up as a kid. And uh, I think there are many lay Catholics around the world and maybe even some priests that wonder, what's really happening there on Good Friday? Um, And and I think what we want to see though is that line is a quote from a famous Old Testament song, uh, Psalm 22. And I like to say Jesus is quoting an oldie. (laughs) Uh, And if you know the oldie, it's going to make a lot of sense. It'd be kind of like, Father, if you ask me, Oh, Dr. Shree, what bands did you listen to when you were in college? And I just said to you, Oh, it's a beautiful day. And I haven't still found what I'm looking for, <laughs> but I'm going to keep talking like this father with or without you. You, you know, I'm talking I'm yeah. Bono, right? I'm, right, I'm talking right. about you too, you know? Uh, but if you didn't know the band, you too, you'd be like talking, oh, my, Dr. Shree's talking gibberish, right? It doesn't make any sense. And, and and but when I use a couple lines from some of their most famous songs, it brings to mind a whole context. You think of the band. Well, that's what many rabbis did in the first century. They would quote one line from an Old Testament passage to bring to mind the whole context of that passage. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's quoting an oldie here. And the beautiful point about Psalm 22 is it's a psalm about someone who is going through intense suffering. He's a righteous man being persecuted by his enemies. And he feels as if he's been abandoned by God. I mean, he's really pushed to the limits of suffering. And he's starting to wonder, God, are you really there? But in the next breath, if you read the psalm, he goes on to say, but God, I know you are there because I know that my ancestors, they, when they faced trials, you came and you helped them and and, and, and you're going to be there to help me too. So he he's expressing confidence in the midst of his own affliction. He's saying, be not far from me, God, for trouble is near. And in the end of the psalm, it reaches this beautiful climax where the psalmist, he sees that his suffering has meaning, it has purpose, it's going to bear fruit. He says, at the end of my suffering, all the ends of the earth are going to turn to the Lord. All the nations are going to worship God as king. So this is not a song of despair. It's a song of triumph, confidence in the midst of great great suffering. And the last thing I'd say about it is, it's a psalm that also has prophetic foreshadowings to Good Friday. Because this righteous man, a thousand years before Christ, goes through similar things that Jesus is going to go through. He's rejected by his enemies. They mock him. They wag their heads. It says in Psalm 22, they wag their heads as they're mocking him. And then they 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 put they pierce his hands and his feet, and they divide his garments and cast lots for his garments. Now. Does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's everything yeah. that happens on Good Friday, right? Because Jesus is going to be rejected by, persecuted by his enemies. They're going to they're going to walk by the cal- Calvary, walk by the cross, and wag their heads as they mock him. Matthew's gospel tells us uh, they're going to. They're going to pierce his hands and his feet as he's crucified on that cross. And then they're going to take his garments, divide them and cast lots for them. It's, it's a, it's a direct prophecy. And Jesus is trying to show us, look, look at all this happening to me on Good Friday. It looks like I've been abandoned by God, but look deeper. And if you can read the signs of the times, you'll see Psalm 22 is coming to fulfillment.
0: That's awesome. Now, Dr. Sri, as my listeners know, whenever I hear words, what that does for me is it triggers songs in my own mind. And so as you were answering the question, I was hearing songs. And so I'm going to see if you and I are on the same page. I'm going to recite some lyrics to you and see if you can can follow along with me, all right? Okay. This is, for our listeners, it might be like real old school for them because many of them are young, but for you and I, it's not that old. But let me see if you can hang on with this. An old man... Turn
1: 98. No, nope, I'm not with you. Oh, come on. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, if you ask me any song from the 80s, I would probably, uh, I would get it in an instant.
0: Let me try the 80s for you then. And I, I'm an 80s baby, so I'm more than 90s, but let me try this. Oh, halfway there. Oh yeah, there we go. We got
1: Bon Jovi right there. Yeah, is, is, there is that the eighties? Is that is yeah. that eighties? Or no? I don't know. I'm just I'm thinking that. There. I think that's less late. That's late eighties. Okay, yeah. sweet. All right, <laughs> sweet. Okay. All
0: right. Okay. Well, all right. Now, speaking of father. So so Aubrey asked about the father. So our next question comes in from Susie, and she asks about another father. She asks about Jesus's dad, Joseph. She says this. Where was St. Joseph during Jesus' crucifixion?
1: Yeah, I mean, the great tradition is that he died uh, long, long before this. We don't read anything about Joseph in all of Christ's public ministry. So he plays a role, of course, in the infancy narratives, right? We read about him in Luke's gospel, and he plays a, a very central role in Matthew's gospel when the accounts of Jesus going and uh, you know, having to flee to, from Herod's terror and go down to Egypt and come back. But then as soon as you get to the public portion of Christ's life, when he's an adult, when he's 30 years old, so 30 years have passed since his infancy, there is never a mention of, of Joseph's presence uh, in Christ's life. So at least at that point, he, he had already died, and he may have died many, many years even before that. Um, there's even a tradition that Joseph was an older man, uh, and, he, it, it, and he was a widower. This is a, a little more Eastern, right, uh, Catholic tradition. That Joseph was a widower when he married Joseph Mary, because Mary never intended to uh, have sexual relations. She had a certain kind of vow, a consecration, which is a strong tradition in the Catholic Church, um, and that uh, and that Joseph. But but given that she was going to have the Christ child back then, if this child didn't have a, a father in the home, that wouldn't work uh, economically. It wouldn't have worked socially. You know, that she, she would have been ostracized, and so Joseph. In his old age, took Mary under her wings, and, and they were married. Uh, but but he was older, and that's another reason why he might have died. So that's th- that's speculative. That's a, but it's a strong tradition in Eastern right, So I mention it. But I think what is very clear is by the time Jesus began his public ministry, whatever the background was, uh, Joseph had already passed.
0: So fun fact about Saint Joseph: there are no relics of St. Joseph's bones or any of his body parts. And there's another tradition um, that St. Joseph is incorruptible, but his body is just, it's just uh, God is mystically not allowing it to be seen in this time, but that one day we're going to find his body and it's going to be incorruptible. So I don't know that that's, that's also speculative uh, you know, mysticism, mm-hmm. but I hope that's true because I would love to, to see St. Joseph. I, I went to see Padre Pio's body in Italy and, I know Josephine Bakhita and Bernadette and a few others are incorruptible. So I think if we can find St. Joseph's incorruptible body, that would be boss. That'd be pretty
1: cool. <laughs> that would be awesome.
0: So what do y'all think? Do you have any other questions, any other advice for Susie? Uh, hit me up at AskFatherJosh at EssentialPress.com. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we have a final question for Dr. Edward Sri about the crucifixion. Stay tuned. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can hit me up with your questions at Josh at ascensionpress.com. If you're feeling fancy, you can certainly record a voice note as well. I would love to play that on a future show. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats so that other people can find out about the gift of the show. Final question comes in from Jimmy. Jimmy asked about the crucifixion. He says this, Why did Jesus have to die such a painful death to redeem us from our sins? Couldn't he have died from natural causes like old age or have died as a baby or would that have not worked
1: for some reason? Ah, I, a couple things. Well, first of all, Jesus came to do a lot more than just die for us. Uh, I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. Uh, he, there's many spiritual lessons he's teaching us about the way he chose to save the world. I mean, did he even, I mean, God, he, he's God. He could have, you know, just snapped a finger and said, I want to save the world this way. You know, that's true. But it's always God does things in a reasonable way, ways that make sense. Ways that are fitting. Um, one reason why simply di- dying as a baby would, you know, or simply dying as a baby would have, would not have solved the problem is that uh, Christ came to do more than just save us from sin. He came to build a kingdom. So he had the chance, right? I mean, he could have died as a baby under Herod and uh, the massacre of the Holy Innocents, but. Uh, and, and all throughout his public ministry, he had many chances to die, right? There were many times people wanted to pick up stones and throw them at him, right? From his very first sermon in Nazareth, they wanted to kill him. So he's running away from death, actually, very much at the at the early part of this public ministry, not because he's afraid of death, but because he wants to build a kingdom. He wants to build the church. That's why he, he, he's choosing the 12. He's training them. He's forming them. Then he, he has the inner circle of Peter, James, and John. And then he has to really hand on the keys of the kingdom to Peter. And that's a fascinating turning point. It's right after Matthew 16, when Jesus gives Peter the keys of the kingdom, makes Peter the first pope. He's going to be the one that carries on the mission of the kingdom uh, after Jesus dies. It's only then that you read in chapter 16, verse 21, that Jesus says, from that time, he began to tell the apostles, I got to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be handed over to sheep priests and be killed. He didn't really talk about his death before. He kind of alluded to it, but never like explicitly until he's got the kingdom structure set up. So I think that's another reason why, you know, so he's got, now that he's got Peter and the whole kingdom set up, now I'm going to go to Jerusalem. Now I'm going to go die. Um, And then uh, as far as like, why couldn't he have just like died a very quick death? He could have just taken poison, you know, you know, from Pilate or something. Why did it have to be this horrendous, you know, kind of uh, uh, experience of personal betrayal from people like Judas and Peter and, uh, and then they all the disciples except John running away. You know that that would have been such great sorrow for Jesus. You know we think about the physical suffering, but let's also just think about the the friendship loss. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a great line. One of the things I bring out in the book and in the video series is when Jesus goes to Gethsemane, he tells the apostles, "My soul is sorrowful even unto death." And we just think, "Oh, if poor Jesus, he's sorrowful because he knows he's going to face crucifixion." Well, that's true, but the language, "sorrowful unto death." is used in the book of Sirach, chapter 37, verse 2, to describe a particular kind of suffering. Not any ordinary suffering, but a particular kind of suffering that may be worse than even death. It's the—it's when a friend turns to enemy. Mm. That's what it says in Sirach 37, 2. Is it not a sorrow to the death when a friend turns to enemy? So think about that sorrow. Think about the mocking Jesus endured, which is different than just the, the scourging and the slapping and the beating and the nails in it. You know, there was a sister, I write about this in the book, a, a missionary of charity sister, Mother Teresa's order. I was doing a retreat for them on the Passion Narratives. And she came up to me after the class and said, you know, Dr. Shree, why is it that when I, I was asked last year to teach on the Passion Narratives, and I can teach every part. But when I got to that part, right, right after his trial, before the Sanhedrin, when they all come up and they spit in him, and they mock him, they blindfold him, and they say, prophesy to us, O Christ. Why is it that at that point, that's when I start to cry and I can't teach anymore? And I was like, wow, Mm. what a beautiful, I mean, why is that? And I think it's because we deep down know that it's one thing to watch someone be be physically abused. It's a whole other thing when you abuse their personhood, when you attack like just the core of who they are. You don't even take them seriously. You mock them like that. That causes us. It's just so sad to see Jesus go through that. So I would want to think about his betrayal, like that back to the friendship loss. That was great suffering. I would think about what the sister brings out, how he was mocked. Like that's like that would cause great suffering. And then add on all of the physical suffering. You know, the Mel Gibson's film does such a good job presenting for us. Um, You you look at all of that. Jesus is trying to teach us something in all of this. You know, it didn't have to be this way, but he's, he's showing to us how much he loves us that's why i called the book no greater love you know from that line of, from john's gospel jesus said no greater love as man than this that he then that he laid down his life for his friends and that's mm-hmm. what jesus is yeah. doing that he we call it christ's passion you know because past passion comes from the word "passio" in latin which means suffering but pope benedict shows us it's also about god's passionate love for us he's so madly in love for us, with us that he wants to do everything he can to to break down any barriers that keep us from Him. That's why He's willing to come down, and the infinite God wants to enter finite time and space and take on our finite human flesh and and even offer it up as a sacrifice for our sins. It's it's it's, it's all that just shows how much He loves us. And 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 I think you know if He just kind of came down and snapped a finger and we were saved, I don't think we'd all appreciate it as much. I don't think we'd be as moved. But when you watch every little step of what Jesus does. Through his passion, when you see his kindness toward Peter, and even his kindness toward Judas, who's betraying him, he calls Judas my friend.
0: Yeah, he
1: says, "My friend, you know, mm. uh, do you, you know, Judas, are you going to betray the Son of Man?" Because so he's just, he's like, he just loves Judas to the very end, hoping he might get to Judas to change his mind. And uh, all of these moments, I think, are just so powerful to teach us something about love.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Jesus teaches us everything, how to be a friend, how to be a lover. I mean, how to be just, everything can be, is, is in Christ, right? How do I respond to this particular situation? How do I respond to this betrayal? How do I respond to everything is in the Gospels and, and specifically the passion. You're right, man. The passion is everything. So um, we're running out of time, but I, I really want to encourage our viewers to check out your, your latest work, No Greater Love. Where can they find this resource?
1: Uh, they can go right to ascensionpress.com. They'll have a trailer there. They have You can actually watch a whole episode just to try it out. Uh, so ascension, ascensionpress.com. And you can get whether, you know, if you're someone wanting to do it as a small group for a men's group, a women's group, a Bible study, you know, you can do it there. But I know a lot of families this Lent that are using the study because they want to show their kids the, the places of Christ's passion. So you can certainly get the videos. It comes with workbooks for small groups. But you can also just get the book if you just want to, like, just get ready for Holy Week you just want a book to take to the chapel or read before you go to bed, you can certainly do that. Uh, And again, that's ascensionpress.com. People can always go to my website, edwardsreed.com. I've got a lot of information about it, but I'm always sending people right there to the good folks at Ascension.
0: Awesome, man. Well, you are a huge gift to to the church, your gift to me and to our our listeners. And so I want to thank you for this time you've given us. Uh, I'm going to close up in prayer. And and please just trust that I'm going to be keeping you in my prayers because I want the Lord to continue to use you to, Just give us these gifts, (laughs) these gifts. All your works have been so helpful for me and for my people. And so, Holy Spirit, keep doing what you're doing in in this beloved Son of the Father. Let us pray in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, thank you for thirsting for us. Thank you for thirsting to be in a living and vital relationship with us. I praise you, Jesus. And I'm sorry for all the times that I have not been faithful to you the ways in which you've been faithful to us on the cross. But, Lord, I desire to love you. I desire to love you with the love that you have given me. I desire to love you the way that you have loved me. And so, a little by little over time, I just want to show you that love. Lord, I want to continue to show you the love that you have shown us on the cross in your passion and in your death um, and your, in your resurrection. I ask that you, Jesus, just send forth your Holy Spirit. Upon every single person who's going to listen to this podcast, and really, really, really captivate our hearts in such a way that we are sensitive to your cross, and that we're sensitive to your love, um, give us the grace to want to console you on the cross, Jesus, because you console us. You are more than enough, Jesus. And if we've ever not shown you that in our actions, we repent, and we want we want to show you, Jesus. We want to show you, Jesus, that you really are our God, and that you are enough. And that we really are grateful for your passion, death, and resurrection. And that there's no other love that can satisfy. No other love can do for us what you do for us, Jesus. And so we praise you, and we love you, and we adore you. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit.
1: As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Thank you all for tuning in to Ask Father Josh. I can't wait to continue walking with you toward eternity. I will see you next week. God bless.